All right, well, we are into uh, like message number four now in our sermon series called Hoping for Mary. And uh, some of this whole idea of hoping for Mary is just the idea that um, if you um, enter the, the Christmas season and we recognize that the Christmas season, you know, isn't always like the best. It's not that it's awful or terrible, but it's just like, oh my word, we're going to end up here and we're going to end up there and Uncle Eddie's going to show up with his Rottweiler snots and it's just going to go downhill really fast and, you know, and all of the things that, you know, might enter into your personal um, Christmas where you're like... Why can't we just stay home? Or why can't we just have peace? Or why can't we just not talk about politics? Or why can't we just learn to get along? Or why can't we just stop remembering what somebody did to us five years ago or ten years ago? Why can't we just let it go for the sake of gathering together as a family? And in doing that, choose you're actually choosing that we're going to be married. We're going to have something going on here that we can really enjoy and not walk away going, man, I, I like Christmas, but you know, I always hate it when it gets here. I, we don't want to do that. And I, I'm just going to be honest with you, it was that that I was thinking about back in the late summer and the early fall when I was putting together the Christmas theme and the Christmas messages and talking with MJ and trying to decide you know, what, what it was that we could do. And so I want to share this story with you. Now, um, I got about halfway, three quarters through the, uh, um, the, the message this morning in the early service and it was like, wow, this can turn into a real bummer real fast. And it's like, but I want to talk about it. You know, welcome to the vineyard. Joe doesn't very often shy away from difficult things, even if he's stupid and dumb and wrong. Okay, he will still stick his foot in the fire and just say, listen, we got to talk about it. And so this is one of those things that I do want to talk about. And so we're going to do it. So this is hoping for Mary. Never saw that coming. That's what we're talking about today. When you get blindsided by Christmas, or the season, or something that happens during it. And from there on out, it kind of, if I can use some fancy words, casts a pall on your Christmas season. And you're like, it's not always merry and bright. Sometimes it's difficult. And there is some of that amongst us, and I want to talk about it this morning, but I still want to hope for Mary. I still want to hope for Mary, so I, I want to talk about it. We, we hope for Mary with our family. I don't know if you guys have started yet, but all of our kids were able to, adult children were able to get together, and so on Saturday we had Christmas at 8.30 in the morning, and it was a lot of fun, and it was chaos, because there's like 19 of us, and I hope counting, um, but it's just going to get more and more and more and more as the, as the years and years and decades go by, um, and so I don't know, but it got loud, it got raucous, it got crazy, and the kids were good but that was just the adults, okay? I mean, there was a point at which quarter to nine, I went to bed. It's like, I get it that I'm old. I don't do this all so well. It's been like 12 hours of this already, so I need to go hide in my bed. And so I went to bed, and somewhere around 11.30, I was awakened by screaming, hollering, clunking, and I thought the house was coming down, and I thought, I'm going to march out there, and I'm going to tell these people to knock it off. It's time for bed. It was all the adults, and the screaming was from my wife being chased by one of my sons. She kicked the refrigerator, probably broke a toe, but, you know, don't go to the doctor because all they do is tape them together. Um, and so it's like, she's like, I, what do I do? I said, give me some tape, I'll fix it. She's like, I don't think so. And so, you know, it's like we're doing it all right, but it's like, oh my word. It, it, it kind of turns into a directed, in my house it turns into a directed chaos. I really don't do well with chaos. 
Okay, my desk in my office is, a, you would walk in and go, I think you do. I think you do. If you get in my car, you would say, I think you have a problem. I think you do. You picked up all the hairs and put them outside and things like that. There's just different aspects of me, but my family was that way. And let's just be honest. The Christmas story is a it's love and romance story, right? It's with Mary and Joseph and love and romance and a couple and a family and stars in the night sky and shepherds on the hill. And then there's angels and angel choirs and angels in their dreams and angels in the outfield. Maybe not angels in the outfield. Maybe that's just from my youth um, from when I would go to the movie. It's not angels in the outfield. But there was angels. Um, and then there was magi and there was frankincense and myrrh and there was gold. And then there was travelers from the east who were the magi. And, and let's just be honest with you. We know that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. They wrote a song to tell us that. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You know, this is the time where it's okay. Just sing too loud while you're shopping. It's okay. You will put a smile on someone's face that maybe didn't have one until you walked past them and they thought, yeah, he's off his meds. But at least he's happy. Maybe I should be happy. And people will get happy and it can happen. But, you know, I walked into church this morning and, and I just sat down on my computer, wanted to go over my notes after everything that happened in my house yesterday. I needed my head in the church game. And so I pulled it up and I was looking at something, getting ready to make my, my weekly post, hey, church day, come on to church. And, and instead I found this Far Side comic. And I don't know if you know what the Far Side is, a little bit humorous, but very, very um, pointed when they make their posts. But they, they made the, somebody posted this old, old, old Far Side comic, which was pretty cool. And then all of a sudden, everybody in the world jumped on it and ripped this person to shreds for no reason. It was like, if you don't like the comic, move on. It's okay. It was not particularly offensive at all. It just pointed to a wonderful life, the movie. It was just a quote from a wonderful life. And it's like, what's the problem? And they're like, well, all of you people who live in America, of course you know what the reference is, but why put that on there? This is a global platform. And I thought, what is it that that person is hurting from that while they're on social media, they're looking for a fight? And I'm not saying that I'm not reflecting on myself a little bit, but I wasn't the one that did that. I just was the one that noticed it and said, hmm, put that in your notes. It's Christmas. What's the deal? Why is it that way? It's the most wonderful time of the year. What is this person's issue? Well, for some people it's not the most wonderful time of the year. And I want to take you to the book of Matthew. And this is not, excuse me, this is not one of those stories from the Christmas story that you get Hallmark cards about. This is not the one where you, you know, comes in the mail and you're like, oh yeah, look at that. But let's read it and then I'll tell you why. In the book of Matthew in chapter 2 and the pre-recorded message, the live streamed message, the streaming message, whatever you want to call it for January 1st, I'm so excited about it and I'm doing everything I can not to think that you already heard it because I've already preached it. I just preached it only to Michael and, and in the lobby and it was amazing. But it's going to be there, and I'm excited about it. But, but here we are, and in that message, I'm going to say, hey, why don't in 2023 you start thinking about carrying one of these things? You know. So anyway, I'm going to open up one of these things called a Bible. It's going to show up up there all the time, but it's still fun to open it up and like, have it in front of you. And this is after the, the uh, kings um, have come, and they've seen the boy in the house with the mother, and they're all like this, and they're supposed to remember, go back and tell Herod, you know, where the baby is. 
And then the scripture says this. When the king, when the, the three kings, the Magi, not, not three, remember we talked about that last week. It could be as many as, as needs be. But when the Magi left, when, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and its mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to keep him, or to kill him, excuse me. So he got up, Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said, that through the prophet, out of Egypt I, will, I have called my son. When Herod, now we're backing up to the Magi fooling Herod. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, um, just five miles away from Jerusalem, just kind of north and I think east a little bit, but it'll come up later. Um, but anyway, five miles away. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And this is just, like I said, it, this is not the part of the Christmas story that we read about and we say, Oh, look, let's just send a holiday card about the massacre of all the, the two-year-old boys, two years of age and under, that took place because Jesus was born, because um, prophetically these pagans saw the star, knew what the star was for some reason. I'm guessing Daniel had laid it all out for him when he was in captivity. Okay, But they came looking for the one born, the king of the Jews, went up and knocked on Herod's palace. Hey, yo, Herod, did you have a baby today? Where is he? We want to bring gifts. And he says, no. And they say, well, where is the one born, the king of the Jews? And then he became disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him, Scripture says. And so the Magi move on, the story moves on, but in the course of events, the angel appears to Joseph and says, get up and take this child and go to Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know about your dreams. I'm just saying, can we begin to be prayerful people following after Christ to the degree that when the angel of the Lord says something to us at one o'clock in the morning while we're dreaming, that we will jump up and change nations. Move hundreds if not thousands of miles in a second's notice because we believe with all of our heart that that was not a dream, but rather a reality given to us in a dream. Can you imagine being that person? That tonight, you just bump your spouse and you're like, listen, we have got to get to Texas as fast as we can. We have got to get to Iowa as quick as we can. We have got to get to Alabama as quick as we can. You just wake up and you just pack up and you just move before the sun comes up. That's how much Joseph understood and believed that dream. Why don't we dream like that anymore and act like that? Why is that? Food for thought. But this is a story 
It's Matthew, quoting Jeremiah 31, reflecting prophetically how it's going to play out in Jesus' day, but it was playing out then. If I go to dailyverseknowingjesus.com, it says this when you're just researching this and saying, how can we never hear about this particular story from the sermon in the Christmas season during this thing? It says this, Jeremiah was referring to a terrible time when the Assyrians swooped down on the house of Israel because the Jewish people were split up into Israel and um, 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 Judah. Okay, and they're split up. But the enemy came down and took the house of Israel. It says that they swooped down on them like a wolf on a sheep's fold and carried away all of their babies, all of their offspring, all of their children. It says, a great cry and a bitter mourning came out of Ramah, which is a little town five miles north of Jerusalem. And so you look at that and you say, for just a second, prophetically, Jeremiah says it, and he never says anything good anyway, so (laughs) Jeremiah. But it comes true, it came true then, but it comes true thousands, hundreds of years later, hundreds of years later, when Jesus is born, And then just because of the the timeline and what we're looking at, this is why I do the Magi the way I do the Magi. This is why I I believe what I believe. The Magi come to um, Herod and they say, listen, we saw this um, star. And and Herod uh, uh, um, is asking them questions like, give me the information, tell me everything. And so when he does kill all those two-year-old boys, it's from two years of age and under from the time given to them from the Magi. So something took place. Now, I believe they saw the star when the baby was born, and this is why. Because in the story, in the, origin, in the early part, Mary goes to, uh, to, to Bethlehem, and she has her baby. Okay? Her baby. But in this particular story, the wise men come to Jerusalem, but they go find the child and his mother at a house. They didn't show up at the barn. They didn't show up at the manger. They didn't show up at the inn. They showed up at, they showed up at a house. So it would appear that they rented a place and stayed. Okay? And so that's what we've got going on. But here's the deal. Think about that for just a split second. It's kind of reflective of what happened in Moses' day, just a little tiny bit. Not a, don't miss the type and the foreshadowing there that Moses is, is a Savior, but Christ is a better Savior. Okay, but you see this picture. Imagine for just a second, those of you that have children, that at the age of two years old, your your son would have been exterminated, literally exterminated from the earth. We're talking door to door, kick the door in, pull your sword out, haul the children out, murder these two-year-old little babies. And it's like, suddenly Christmas is not all merry and bright. Even though I believe there's two years from actual Christmas to 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 this incident. I believe that. But you're not going to see that Hallmark card. Because that's difficult. And let's just for, for, for today say that what it tells us is the season, the holiday season, is not always good for everybody. Can you imagine being one of these mothers And people saying, oh, it's so great. The Son of God was born. It's Christmas. We're so excited. And she says, no, you don't understand. That's when I lost two of my children. That's when I lost my children and a couple of nephews. And think about what happened from there on out. That was their filter for the birthday of Jesus was that. And it's like, wow, what's going on here? I had the opportunity to do a ride-along this past week with... uh, 
um, Officer Dan Kirstein, some of you know he was up here talking to us about Enrich, um, this idea that they have to help some people that are coming out of um, felony situations and needing to get a restart and staying out of trigger areas. And, and uh, listen, we're behind it as a church. We're, we're, we're all guns blazing. Let's do this thing. Okay, I believe in it. But I got to do a, dry, a ride along with him, and he's the overnight guy. And so I was out all night. And it was one of those things where a couple of years ago I did a, a ride along, and we got in it, and um, nothing happened all night. Not even the moon came out. It's like even the moon didn't want to do anything that night. And it was like, great, they, officers need some peace. But listen to me, you don't understand the compassion with which these law enforcement officers, if I can just say police, please, the police, regardless of the branch, watch over you and care about you. You don't understand the degree of compassion that they have even when they're wrestling with somebody, even when they have to be what you would term if you were sitting there watching it ugly and firm. You still don't understand that that's a compassion that's driving that. It's care that's driving that. It's just amazing. I mean, I didn't anymore get in a cruiser, and if you're familiar with it, um, Tuesday night we went down and um, I, we backed out of the, the police station, and all of a sudden there was a call. It was a four-car accident on 52 at the bypass at the Chrysler dealer. And that guy, I mean, is a four cars, and the, the guy that caused it, he never tapped his brake. He was doing about 60 miles an hour. And as I sat there watching all of the EMS people, the, the fire, the, the, the paramedics, the police, the county guy, I mean, I watched them all, and I kept staring at that car that caused the problem, and I couldn't find the motor. It was in the car. He hit them that hard. And it was like, wow. And then we went from there, and we, one place they had their guns out, and different things were going on, and they were chasing, trying to get into a house, and the guy had escaped in there. And, you know, they're like, Joe, sit in the car. And I'm like, not a problem. <laughs> Sitting right here, not wearing a vest right here, okay? So I'm your guy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to testify. I'm going to close my eyes and say I didn't see a thing. You know, do what you guys got to do. <laughs> But I, I'm just telling you, I came away from there with just a renewed, not that I don't know it, because I know some LEOs, okay, and they've got big hearts. And when you heard Pastor, I mean, Pastor, <laughs> Officer Dan's, okay, I, you heard Pastor Dan Kirstein's, that's a prophetic word of your calling, Dan, okay, but that, but that being aside, um, we went from different places, and, and then we went to places that you didn't know were in downtown Richmond. And we went in places where I stood behind them and they did have their weapons drawn. And they were announcing themselves and they were going in and clearing the room because there's no electricity, no heat, no water, no nothing. And there were squatters in there and you don't know what they do and don't have and they need to be careful. And I did get to go in there with them because we were looking for somebody not to do anything. This is why we were going in there with guns drawn because they just wanted to go in there and see if they needed food or a blanket because it was going to be cold. I watched those police officers walk into that room <clears throat> and ask those people and state, you're not supposed to be in this building, but I'm not here to do anything about that. I just need to know if you need a blanket or if you need some food, are you okay? One place we went into because he wanted to introduce me to somebody, and we got to pray for some of these people, and it was, it was a blessing. It, I, I'm not going to lie, even as a Christian, as a pastor, it felt a little futile. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. I'm just, I'm just being honest, okay? It's like, you want me to give them a prayer, and they need house. They need electricity, and they need the lights on, and they need a, a real bed. But anyway, 
we went into this one place where they did have to force their way into it. Nobody was in there. And as we were walking past, I took this picture. And I thought, you know, we've come out of Thanksgiving and we're going into Christmas. And this is a reality. And I'm not trying to make this whole sermon a downer. Not, not even a little tiny bit. I'm really not. I just want to reinforce the idea that, you know what, for some people, it's not all Christmassy and magic. And it's okay for us to touch that. It's okay for us to be aware of that. It's okay for us to talk about that. It's okay for us to have loved ones out there on patrol. But that's what I walked into and I saw and I just quick took a picture and um, not going any further than that. But it, it, that's just what it is. That's a reality for some. And we can say that that's a choice. We can say whatever we want. I really don't care. What I care is that they need care. And they're not getting it. Maybe they're not wanting it. But are we aware of it? Do we know where it is? Do we know where it's happened? I can take you back there, but I never would have believed that that's where I would have found that, and that's just what the thing is. And so here's the deal. Here's the what's what on the Christmas deal. That's, that's what I want to tell you. Here's the what's what on the Christmas deal. On Christmas Day 2,000 years ago, 2,040-some years ago, nobody knew it was Christmas. You ever process that sometime when you're just sitting around wrapping Christmas presents, watching um, Frosty the Snowman and something like that, and you're thinking, hey, 2,000 years ago, I wonder if they watched Frosty. You know, I saw, I saw that thing going around on social media. It's like the picture of the Flintstones celebrating Christmas, and it's like, that's one million years B.C. What were they celebrating? <laughs> Jesus hadn't arrived yet. Like, get the hat off. Stop it. You know? But think about it for a second. Nobody that was there knew that it was Christmas. That she nobody, the shepherds, that, nobody knew it was Christmas. They were just there. The angels had to come and tell the shepherds, hey, it's Christmas. And the shepherds had to go make sure it was Christmas. And then the shepherds told everybody else, hey, it's Christmas. And everybody else said, what's Christmas? And they had to spell it all out for them. Think about this. All Mary wanted to do was have a baby. That was it. That's all Mary was trying to do. She was not trying to start Christmas. She did not think, hey, you know, um, um, Hallmark gets all the things so they can sell cards. I think I'll just start a holiday so that I'll be celebrated. She just was like, Joseph, really, we got to go to Bethlehem. Do I have to go too? Do we have to? It's like census. you got to show up. you got to pay your tax. Aren't you sick and tired of getting taxed? It's like I, I, I earn a salary. They tax it. I spend it. They tax it. I sell it at a loss. They tax that. It's like, can we please stop taxing people? Come on. And there was poor Mary, just like, Joseph, can you get me in a room where I can have this baby? I don't know about you, but, you know, we, we, we went through the whole pregnancy thing four times, got five kids out of the deal. You know, it was a you know, two for one at the end there. Okay, and so, and, and that's all well and good. That's all well and good. But I, I'm just telling you, there comes a place about seven or eight months where, you know, your, your wife is moving a little bit slower and, you know, you're helping and you're doing this, that, and the other thing. And, and it's just like, I, I mean, I hear women say this and they're like, hey, you know, what do you got? I got 34 more days to go. I just wish this thing would come out right now. You know, and it's like, yes, they want to hold the little baby, but at the same time, like, I'm tired of feeling like this. I'm tired all the time. I ache. I hurt. I, my back is doing this. And it's like, you know, it's like, I get it. Well, Joseph made Mary walk to Jeru to Bethlehem. If, if she put, I mean, if he put her on a donkey, it's still not a good ride. 
Not at all. It will be akin to having your wife jump up and down on the steps, try to get that baby to come faster. You know what I mean? Not that I ever did that. But I'm just saying, I hear people talk. It's like it wouldn't have been easy, and she she did not know she was starting Christmas. She just wanted to be the baby mama instead of the baby maker. She's done being the maker. Just get this little guy out of here. She has, uh, Jesus has a birthday, and all of a sudden everybody's walking into it, and it's like, what's what? Nobody knew it was Christmas on that first Christmas. They just did it. Here's the other thing, too. There were no presents at the first Christmas. Oh, yes, there were, Pastor Joe. There was those wise men. No, no, no. Walk with me and I'll fight you. Two years later, then they brought him presents. But not on his birthday. No, no. Prophecy was shared, excuse me, um, the shepherds didn't bring anything. They came to find out if it was true. I like to believe that they were very, very respectful when they came in, but there's nothing to suggest that they brought gifts at all, um, and they left believing and testifying. I don't know if they had a baby shower for Mary. I don't know if they did baby showers back then, but I can tell you this right now. Jesus' parents didn't get Jesus any Christmas gifts. What's up with that? He didn't get any 72-inch TV, no Xbox. He got no razor side-by-side to drive back to um, Nazareth in. He got no new Red Ryder BB gun to shoot his eye out with. He did not get that. Okay, he did not get no walking, talking, eating, burping, puking, peeing baby doll. Okay, I remember when my daughters were just happy with a baby doll. It didn't have to do all that. Okay, Uh, nobody in Bethlehem got a new 2023 LX 600 ultra luxury Lexus for one hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars. Nobody did. And just for the record. What family does that? (laughs) You show me a marriage, honestly. And you can hold me to this if any of you are out there watching that fit this category. You show me a married couple where the wife can go spend $129,000 without telling the husband or vice versa and then put the car in the driveway on Christmas Eve and put a big red bow on it and say, surprise! We're on the hook for $129,000 to U.S. Bank, whatever bank it might be. And I'll show you a marriage that needs counseling. They're not talking. Somebody's mad enough to spend that money and say, there, I bought you a present, pay for it. You know, get another job. Whatever it might be. I'm just telling you, there's a place where you cross a threshold where you have to talk with each other before you sign your name or spend the money. And it's, you're not getting permission. You're setting goals and achieving them. And you have to set the goals together. However, just once, I would like to live in that zip code where you can, in fact, do that one time. Thank you very much. Okay, we're done with that. On the other hand, I began to think, what would a gender reveal look like in in, uh, Bethlehem? 
How would they even do a gender? You know, it used to be if you wanted to ask a woman to marry you, marry you, you turned around, opened up a little box, maybe got on one knee, should get on one knee, and just simply said, hey, will you marry me? I think you're the most precious, wonderful thing in the whole world. Not anymore. It costs about $4,000 to get engaged. You've got to rent a helicopter. You've got to put it in the newspaper. You've got to hire a social media person to do all the work. You've got to start with a good photographer, and that's going to cost you about $1,500, $2,000 right there. And then you've got to make a video, so you've got a photographer and a videographer. You've got to do all this. And you got, so I'm not surprised that I see the gender reveals going the same way. You know, it's, it's like you can't just say, hey, we're having a baby. And somebody says, what is it? And you say, this is the ultrasound. Figure it out for yourself. Well, now they're like 4D, whatever 4D is. And it's like, oh, I can see what that is right now. Yeah. You're having a little baby Christ child. I can see the halo. You know what I mean? It's a male. <laughs> it's the vineyard. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the vineyard. <laughs> okay. But I'm just thinking, what would they have done? Fed the camel glitter and just waited? It's like, no. Okay. The third thing I want to share with you, let's just move on. That is terrible. Don't. Not at church, Pastor Joe. Not even at church. It's Christmas. Let's laugh, okay? From the beginning, Christmas hasn't represented joy for everybody. From the beginning. It just it hasn't represented joy for everybody. Prophecy is shared, and then that prophecy blindsided the communities in and around um, Jerusalem. And I would guess that they hated Christmas from then on. There were people that loved Christmas. The shepherds, that community probably got to wear the badge of honor that said, we heard first. But there was a, 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 there was a, a, a group in that culture, I would believe, that hated Christmas because it cost them their child in and amongst that time. And that was their reference. That was their filter. That was their thing. They could have blamed God. I probably would have. They could have ostracized Mary and Joseph and said, we don't want your kind around here. Don't do this. Like they did Jesus later when he cast the demons out of the pigs. And they said, listen, this just cost us too much money. Get out of town. Jack. That's my version. Jack. Because his name is Jesus. It could have been that they started a ban on Christmas and just said, we're not going to celebrate that because of the horror of what it meant for people. They could have done that. But the deal is you can't plan for every inevitability. Everything that brings Joe with joy doesn't always bring joy to everybody else. And if you're in here in the Christmas season, the holiday season, the Thanksgiving season, it's not a great big giant joy to you you have as much right to be allowed to commiserate as anybody else does to celebrate. It's just that we don't beat each other up with it, right? But for some people, it's difficult. And the idea that it's a one-sided deal in either way, is, it's not healthy, it's wrong. But I do think the answer is this. I think care is the answer. Care. Care. I think if we can care for one another, that would be the answer. What can you do to help bring uh, Mary to your Christmas if it's a time when it doesn't feel particularly celebratory for you? Or maybe you're going to go into a, a, a situation where it's not celebratory for somebody in 
the gathering that you're going to go to, and you know that different people have different struggles with this. It's absolutely normal for me to lose a parent as an adult at this age. And I know if it happened at Christmas, it would be like, oh, I lost my dad here. But if, it, if it's something that's not supposed to happen, like a child, then it casts a serious pall on the circumstance. And it's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay for that to be a reality. But what can we do? Well, the first thing I think real quick, I'm going to go through these, is we can talk about it. It's okay to talk about it. We feel like nobody wants to hear about it. Listen, it's okay to talk about it. I'm going to go out on a limb here, make a statement, and you can, you can castigate me for it if you want to. But a lot of people that don't talk about it don't talk about it because they believe, assume, and make an assumption, make a presumption that nobody wants to hear about it, or all I'm doing is being a burden, or, and then they project that on people, and then they say, this is how they are, and it's like, no, it really isn't. They'll sit down and they'll listen with you, I think, I believe. Some people have found an identity in the crisis they went through, and it's not supposed to be an identity. It's supposed to be something that you went through, but don't ever forget about it. Don't let anybody tell you it's time for you to forget and move on. No, that's not the answer. It's time for you to hold it dear, whatever it might be. On the other hand, it could be something that's, that's super painful, and it's not something you want to hold dear, but it's still something you need to sit and talk with somebody about. You've got to talk. And I'm saying that it's time for us to find somebody with a compassionate ear. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody with a compassionate ear. Someone that will listen and share back what they hear and then pray for you. It's okay. It's okay for you to be going into the Thanksgiving season or the Christmas season and feel like this is just going to be a downer and it's okay for you to ask somebody for coffee and then invite them to pray for you. It's okay for you to tell them why it's a downer. Just, it's not okay for us to make it our identity. But never let go of it. Which takes us into that thing that we do need to be praying about it. And we say, wow, yeah, I've been praying about it forever. Listen, I'm talking about the fact it's okay for us to believe that God will never leave us he will never forsake us. That's what he said. And I am building my life on the promises of God that I know are for all people, not just the Jewish people or Abraham or Isaac or any of those guys. These are promises for you and I. And God will never leave me, nor will he forsake me as one for every one of us. That doesn't mean he's going to do what I want. It just means he's going to walk me through what I'm going to go through. And as it comes back up, he's going to hold my hand. And I can trust him in that. God really does want to carry our burdens with us or for us. He really does if we're willing to give it to him. Most of the time, he's not going to erase a memory. He's not going to take away a hurt. But he is going to put his arms around you if you'll stop the noise, turn off the TV, quit running around, and give him a chance. And be willing to be honest. Let me back up to the first one and talk about it. And talk about it. And then the last thing is we go into Christmas, and we're kind of there. We're kind of there. Is that when we're in a time when we know it's difficult for us, or if you've got somebody in your life that you know, hey, I think they're going to have a difficult time going through Christmas. Here's the deal. 
there's nothing wrong with planning for it. If you know already that that is going to be hard, what I want to know is, then what are you planning to do to help soften it? Not make it go away, not fix it. We're not fixing anything. You can't fix it. But we can do things sometimes that soften it. We can only stay so long. We can only listen to so much. We can only give so much. We can only spend so much. We can only eat so much. We can only, whatever it is, we can, we can choose how much that we're going to be a part. And then make a plan for how I'm going to move through this. And at the same time that you're making a plan to move through it, don't make a plan to miss it. Because even when it hurts, there's enough going on around you that you don't want to miss every year. Because the people that you're walking with love you. I hope in the Lord's name that you experience that. But if you're alone, then that's when it's going to be important to call somebody. Please, please, please. It's going to be important to call somebody. We are going into a time right now where I know for a fact, 29 years I've been doing this, that the suicide rate, or I should say the suicide call rate, goes through the roof. I'm already hearing about it from people that are, are call takers. They're on the, the hotlines. We're already hearing that. You know, it's crazy that a lot of those people want somebody to talk to. Back in the late uh, 70s and early 80s, there was a Miss Cleo at 11.30 at night, right during the uh, Star Trek reruns from black and white TV. I'm a nerd. And uh, you would watch those, and the commercial was always just Miss Cleo, Miss Cleo, Miss Cleo from, from Haiti or Jujuville or whatever it is, you know, where all the voodoo is and stuff. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They found out she was from Harlem. She just faked an accent, bought a couple of phones, and people were paying her $7 a minute way back then just to talk to them. They didn't need the prophetic word that gave them the lottery number. They wanted somebody to talk to, and they were willing to pay $7 a minute. $6.99, actually. It's on special. But that tells you something about us as a humanity, doesn't it? We need somebody to talk to. We need somebody to be real with. We need somebody to be honest with that won't throw rocks at us, push us aside, be repulsed at us, whatever it might be. We need somebody that will care. And I'm saying that you and I know that we're going into a time where Christmas isn't special for everybody and it doesn't have to not be special for us, but it doesn't stop us from loving the people around us. And I would encourage you to open up your eyes and be aware. Somewhere around us, metaphorically speaking, is somebody who lost a two-year-old child in the Christmas story. And they just need us to care. They don't have lights, they don't have electricity, they don't have food, and they've got syringes. They just need us to care. And I would encourage you with that. That's what that bed outreach was about. There's a little girl in a hospital in Lexington just waiting to come home to a bed. Waiting. And she was so excited she made a calendar because you cared enough 
to make beds for little children because you cared enough to buy beds, not me, you cared enough to buy beds for little children. That child is just so excited to come home to her bed and she's been counting on it on the calendar. That's what her parent told us. We can go into Christmas season and make a difference. And I want to encourage you to do that. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. Now, how can I love the people next to me? How can I do that? Let's pray. Fathers, we come before you right now. We do want to recognize, and it's okay for us, Lord, to take a, a day, a moment, a Sunday morning, a sermon out of the series and just say, you know what? There's a lot of people crying. There's a lot of Rachels weeping, and they will not be silenced. Because this holiday isn't just the best thing that ever happened to them. It's not the most wonderful time of the year, God. And so we just ask and pray that you open up our eyes and our hearts. We just want to know how to bring the kingdom of God into their lives and help them to be difference makers for them, God. We thank you for the opportunities you've placed in front of us. I thank you for the people that have stepped up and done just exactly that. And if you should tarry, God, then I pray going into 2023 that we will not slow down, that we will be a church that sacrifices, that loves, puts it into action, and doesn't just light the candle for Christmas. Thank you, God, that I get to lead this kind of a church. Thank you for these, my friends, my family, and my community. But there are those hurting here as well, God, and I just ask and pray that you would minister to them in Jesus' holy name. So we release this upon them. 